0: Sometimes we do episodes and they're a personal attack on us. What do you mean? (laughs) Like, like, you know, sometimes you research an episode and and you're doing it and you're like, are you? Are you you you, reading me? Are you reading me right now? Because I feel like you're reading me Uh and my life. Uh So... Is this going to be one of those? This is one of those. This is definitely one of those where I was doing the research and I was like, wow, personally attacked by this album. Oh, wow. Yeah. Did like, It did not mean what I thought it meant.
1: <laughs> so does it mean that, like, you relate a lot to Dave Grohl? Or... Very much. Okay. I very much relate to Dave Grohl. Like, especially
0: with this album, I'm like,
1: wow. Wow. Because you're addicted to coffee. Oh,
0: well, that too. And Everyone's and had their fresh pots and I moment.
1: might have to take you to the hospital after we're done recording. Is that it's it? It's fine. It's <laughs> fine. It's fine.
0: Fresh pots. Yeah. What? <laughs> Welcome to Rock Candy! Fresh Pots! Your weekly podcast, because we're back to weekly, bringing you sweet treats and tales from the world of music. Mm. And we're your hosts, I'm Maggie.
1: I'm Ashley. And
0: I might have a caffeine
1: addiction now. I think I'm the one with it, though. No, you feel really good about not drinking your energy drinks, though. Yeah... I guess, but I still drink a lot of coffee.
0: You would be more like fresh cans, yeah, double shots, oh my god, monsters. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I do need my morning coffee, or else I feel like shit. Or
1: else I rip somebody's head off.
0: I don't even get angry; I just get really tired and confused.
1: But I think I do that anyway. Yeah, that's kind of just every day.
0: Mm. But in speaking of f- fresh pots, today we are talking about. The Foo Fighters. Not just the Foo Fighters, but their sophomore album, The Color and the Shape, Mm. which was an album that came out in the late 90s and is very seminal for many of people in our age group, I feel.
1: I feel like it was their first real big success after Nirvana. Yeah. After Big Me came out. Yeah. The whole first album. I'll stick around. But then like Monkey Wrench came out and it's like, whoa. Oh,
0: this is real. Yeah, yeah. That's kind of it's kind of where I'm gonna come from today on this album. Mm. So you know, but speaking of monkey wrench, I don't even have to six degrees of beer this one. <laughs> well, maybe two degrees of beer. But today for the episode, I am drinking from Industrial Arts Brewing Company. Mm. Are
1: they local? Yeah, they're in. Um, they're from just outside of Poughkeepsie, Garnerville. Yeah. That one. Sure. Anyway. It's just outside of Poughkeepsie. I was just there over the summer. Oh. Poughkeepsie. Poughkeepsie. Yes. I'm drinking pocket wrench because
0: don't want to be a pocket wrench. I
1: don't think you want to be any kind of wrench. No. I would rather
0: not be a tool. Thank you. I don't know. Maybe an Allen wrench. Allen. Allen. (laughs) Yes. Pocket wrench. It's actually for an IPA. Not bad. I've Not had, super strong on the hops.
1: I've had several of their beers and they are quite good. My boyfriend Mike loves all of their IPAs.
0: Yeah. Um, this is really smooth actually. I've
1: had a couple stouts or maybe no I had a red ale from them oh. I think. I think you told and, me about that when y'all went on your tour. Yeah and I got a four pack of barley wine from them. I still have one. We should try that. It's really good. Okay.
0: But yeah, this is actually a really good IPA, I would, which is weird for me to say. And I would suggest picking it up if you see it. I just know that when I decided to do this episode, I had to get this because I swear every time I would go into the beer store, I would see it and think, well, that's <laughs> Monkey Wrench right there.
1: If I do Foo Fighters. It's, you know, it's singing like, to you every time you walk by. Don't
0: worry, you're <laughs> Drink me now and I'll make you smile. <laughs> I'm like, you know what, Pocket Wrench? You kind of are. Aww. Thanks, Pocket
1: Wrench. Thanks, Pocket Wrench.
0: You're welcome. I'm just here to make everybody happy.
1: <laughs> Drinking beers, pouring smiles on your brain. Oh. <laughs> well, maybe we should get uh, rolling on this story. You want to get rolling? Rolling. With colors and
0: shapes? Yeah. Roll them around. I will say, going into this, I knew half the album pretty well already. And I had mm-hmm. to kind of... Learn the other half. Mm-hmm. I knew all the singles, and I knew a couple extras. I know
1: the singles. All right, really good with the singles. All right, and in fact, one of the times we were on um writer's bagel basket, mm. um, we did the we were doing the music video extravaganza. Yeah, and uh, my pick for the voting for the viewers' choice, mm-hmm. um, was Everlong because it's and, whack and. They picked it, so we talked about it. Yeah. So if you want to hear about that. Yeah. Because
0: I don't really talk about the music video too much.
1: It's a great music video. It is, though. <laughs> it's it's
0: fucking weird. Yeah. Anyway, let's get into it. Everyone knows the story of how a few months after his bandmate's suicide, Dave Grohl went into the studio to record an album by himself, with the exception of one track that guested guitarist Greg Dooley from Afghan Wigs. Other than that, all Dave. Mm-hmm. He was in need of something cathartic to heal from the pain of losing Kurt, but also he wanted to avoid everyone assuming all of his music was going to be about his time in Nirvana. Yeah. So he released an album of fairly loud nonsense songs and decided to use the name Foo Fighters so listeners would believe it was a new band and not necessarily just Dave Grohl. hmm
1: And Foo Fighters is a reference to UFOs, isn't it?
0: Yeah. um, It's a... Oh, fuck, I think it's like military flyers who all like said they saw... Um, Flying objects, flying objects, Mm -hmm. and they called them Foo Fighters. Yeah, and it worked, but maybe too well. The album was well received by critics and was in high sales, making it a commercial success. This was their first album or this album? This was the first album, right? Which Which was just self self titled, self titled, (laughs) titled, self titled Foo Fighters. That
1: had like Big Me and what was the other one?
0: I'll stick around, Ah. which I'm pretty sure was about Courtney Love. Yeah, that makes sense. So Dave puts a band together to go on tour with to promote the album. Mm -hmm. And that's how a bit of self-care and music therapy created one of the world's biggest bands. But what truly put Foo Fighters on the map was their sophomore effort, The Color and the Shape, an album that took their quality up a few pegs and solidified what you could sonically expect from them going forward. Mm -hmm. When it was time to create the next album, things would be understandably different. Now there was more than just Dave recording songs for five days in a studio. Mm -hmm. He didn't have years of material stacked up, and there was more input than just his to consider. With him in the studio was his former Scream bandmate Pat Smear on guitar. Also, there was Nate Mendel on bass and William Goldsmith on drums. Everyone was helping with musical arrangements, and Gil Norton was brought in to produce. Dave loved the work he did with the Pixies, so he felt like it was an obvious choice. Mm -hmm. Toward the end of nineteen ninety-six, the band got together at Bear Creek Studios to begin recording sessions, but those proved to be some of the most difficult any of them had ever experienced. And Dave was
1: in a band with a heroin addict.
0: Yeah. That wasn't <laughs> that wasn't great. No. Musically, they were struggling to gel together. Yeah. It's just one of those situations where just nobody was nobody was getting each other. Not on the same page. Exactly. I mean, these guys were all schooled in the ways of punk rock, just slapping some songs on a tape and calling it a day. But Gil wasn't about that life. He's a known perfectionist, and he forced the band to do the same bits over and over until they were right. He told Dave that he was not going to be okay with any throwaway lyrics like on the first album. He wanted songs that came from the heart and actually meant something. Well, sir. Sir. <laughs> he came in, and he's like, all right, what right, then, he's British, what right, then, boys. In line? <laughs> all right. Let's play a song. Play it right. Inspecting their teeth. If you don't play it right, do doing it again. <laughs> pip pip. <laughs> That's what all British people
1: say, right? Totally. This is why nobody
0: in the UK listens to yeah. us. <laughs> so some fell into line, but others had a hard time of it. Gil renamed bass and drums the rhythmless section, since they rarely seemed to be able to produce Who the signs he was guy? looking for. Uh, you're the rhythmless section, eh? All right. Don't seem to be getting the bait.
1: Jesus. Well, you do it then. <laughs> you do <laughs> it.
0: Well, I'll get to that. <laughs> but it was especially William who would have to do 96 takes of a song until it was what Gil and Dave were looking for. Who just wore down real quickly. Made him feel like he wasn't good enough. At times he thought they were trying to wear him down so that Dave could just play the drums.
1: Oh, Oh, yeah. Ooh. I don't think that's the case. No.
0: But again, they weren't gelling. <laughs> like those Dr. Scholl I was just going to say. Unlike those Dr. Scholl <laughs> they weren't gelling. Scholl ads. Dr. Scholl's.
1: No, he said Scholl ads. Scholl ads. I think that's hilarious. Scholl ads.
0: <laughs> Look, if that wasn't bad enough. It was here that Dave was served divorce papers by his first wife, photographer Jennifer Youngblood. Oh. Yeah. He had been married for about two years. They got married right after Kurt died. Shit. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah.
1: Did I talk about that in our Nirvana episode? I doubt it. I, f- I remember her name for some reason. I mean, you
0: probably mentioned they were together. Probably.
1: Probably. Because they
0: were together for a, b- a minute before they got married.
1: Because I think he was with her when Kurt and Courtney got married and they were actively not invited to the wedding,
0: yeah. And he, I think and I rem- C- he and he and Chris and I believe they're significant others. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So that's happening on top of all of this. Mm-hmm. As the year was coming to a close, everyone decided it would be best to take a Christmas break of sorts and part ways until the following month. They're like, to "All the right, fuck
1: out of each other's faces, right? Like, fuck off for a bit. Let's just take a break. We'll mm-hmm. breather. We'll figure. Like, we'll figure it out." Mm-hmm.
0: When Dave went home to Virginia, he sat down and listened to the tapes of what they had recorded thus far, and he knew it just wasn't it. It was stiff and it lacked the heart that they were striving for. Mm -hmm. So during the break, still raw from his feelings about his ongoing divorce, Dave wrote two songs, Walking After You and Everlong, both about his complicated emotions that he was dealing with. When he came back to the studio and presented them to Gil, it was clear Dave finally found the emotional lyricism that they were looking for.
1: I mean, Everlong is truly a heartbreaking song. Everlong's- That makes you feel emotions. Dude, there's a lot to Everlong. Just wait till I get there. It was a rash
0: decision, but they made it to scrap the previous effort- And record the album anew.
1: I bet everybody was ready to light that fucking studio on fire. Probably. They
0: even (laughs) went to a whole new studio. They went to a studio in LA. They were like, no. They would
1: have burned that one down if they stayed in there. Like, nope, we're not doing it. I would have. But that wasn't the
0: only bold move because they didn't tell William at first that they were re recording at a new studio in LA. (laughs) They were running low on time, so Dave decided to do the drums on the newer stuff and then just have William come in later to redo the other songs.
1: Oh. Oh, but no. guess what?
0: No. Will caught wind of this, and was understandably pissed. none too pleased. I'd be pissed. He's a little pissed. Yeah, he's not really happy. Yeah, he's not. He's not having a good time. That's kind of shitty. He's a little like setting Bear Creek Studios on fire right now. Yeah. <laughs> I'm the drummer. I'm the drummer. Oh, <laughs> poor Will. Yeah. <laughs> He completely disagreed with the decision the band made without him and decided to leave the situation.
1: I He wasn't choice. even being
0: kicked out, but he decided, no, fuck that. If you're not going to do it with me, I'm not part of the band. I don't want to be part of the band.
1: Yeah. And
0: later, Dave would say that he did what he felt he needed to to get the record done, but he always regretted doing his bandmate dirty like that.
1: Yeah. regrets. He had regrets, but maybe he just
0: wasn't a good drummer.
1: He might not have been. But also you can just be like You're not hey. a good drummer. Like we're going in this direction and we don't feel like your style really fits that well. So you're not gelling like <laughs> Dr. Schultz not not inserts. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, William. You're like kind of the opposite of the Doctor Schultz insert for drums yeah. that I'm looking for. Yeah, like You're like the cheap generic knockoffs. We're looking for good feet store quality. Okay. Yeah. You're Mr. You're Mr. Shills. (laughs) Not Dr. (laughs) Shills. And we really need Dr. Shills here. What an appropriate name for Mr. (laughs) Shills. Mr. Shills. The band
0: pressed on and racked up quite the tab since they spent as much time as they did in the studio. But in the end, the album would pay all that back and then some. In May 1997, the Foo Fighters released The Color and The Shape to high praise and high sales. Indeed. The name of the album came from something their manager said once he came back from a trip to the thrift store. Okay. To everyone's bewilderment, he just walked in with a bowling pin and in trying to explain his purchase, he just said that he, quote, liked the color and the shape of it. (laughs) So now, whenever
1: I look at the cover, because it has all those circles on it, I'm like it's uh-huh. just
0: bowling balls.
1: Oh, well, maybe <laughs> they remi- it re- the cover reminds me of clackers. Yes, do you remember clackers? <laughs> you you can hurt your fucking self with those fucking things. Seriously, I don't. I never managed to clack properly. I don't really even know how you're supposed to clack properly. Are you just supposed to do up and down? Or are you supposed to like? like, do one rotation that hits the other one that doesn't rotate? Is that what you're supposed to do? I think that's what you're supposed to do. No, but everyone just like wailed them up and down really fast. Yeah, and then hurt themselves. And others. Yes, (laughs) absolutely. They are a deadly
0: weapon. They got a kick out of that for whatever reason, decided it'd be the name of the album, but as a nod to Gil, who is British, they decided to spell color with a U. Oh. (laughs) Color.
1: Color. The
0: color in the shape. After its release, (laughs) of course the fighters of Foo were expected to tour for it. Uh, Of course. Except now they were faced with the issue of a missing drummer. And it was here that another tried and true staple of the band came to be. Yay! Through his old Scream bandmate, Franz Stahl, Dave was introduced to the drummer for Alanis Morissette's backing band, Taylor Hawkins. Mm -hmm. With that connection, they would meet up from time to time at festivals and other events and Mm -hmm. just be like, hey, cool, we're music friends. (laughs) We're music buds. Yeah, music buds. Taylor became a fan of the Foos and felt they would be a great band to play in. But at that time, William was still drumming, so it was nothing more than a passing fantasy. There was one time, though, when Alanis was hanging out with him and mentioned that one day Dave would probably ask him to join them at some point.
1: Alanis Morissette is fucking psychic. She knows. She knew. She looks
0: around. She's like, you know, you're going to leave me one day for Dave, yeah. right?
1: And he's like, no, no. And then one day he does know. it. Shh, and she's like, go, my friend. I told you this day would come.
0: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Honestly, this fits too well. <laughs> That point happened when Taylor heard Dave in an interview on the radio saying that they were in need of a new drummer. He knew he needed to take this opportunity, so he asked Franz for Dave's phone number. After some coercion, he gave up the go and Taylor made the call. When Dave picked up, Taylor said, I heard you're in need of a new drummer. And Dave asked, yeah, you know anyone? (laughs) And they had a conversation about Alanis going through a more mellow direction and that the need for Taylor to be her drummer kind of looked like it was lessening.
1: Yeah, not so much you ought to know, more thank you.
0: Yeah, but also I would not say that former supposed, supposed former infatuation junkie was softer. Yeah. I mean, I guess it was. It had softer some softer tracks, but there was some hard shit on there, yeah. too. But maybe she didn't need Taylor's talents. I don't know. Normally, Dave wouldn't be into taking someone else's drummer, but the timing seemed to line up perfectly. Yeah. After one jam session together, they saw how well they meshed, and from then on, Taylor would be the mainstay drummer for the Foo Fighters.
1: I kind of feel like Taylor also has, like, Dave Grohl disease in that he can't physically drum softly.
0: Yeah, I he definitely just has the same exact high energy that Dave has. Yeah. so I,
1: I remember reading somewhere that When they recorded the Nirvana Unplugged, Mm -hmm. Kurt had to constantly like yell at Dave because he just would not drum softly. (laughs) He physically could not do it.
0: I just picture him like Animal from Electric Mayhem. (laughs) Or was that what it was called? Electric Mayhem? I think so. Yeah. Mr. Teeth in the Electric Mayhem? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. There is eventually some drama and some unstable times, but I don't have time to go into that because that's Mm -hmm. all post this album. Uh-huh. We got songs to listen to right now. Uh-huh. So as we listen through the album, you'll hear the foundations of the foo sound. Hard and heavy songs peppered with thoughtful soft ballads. It's a formula they've used since then and clearly it's been working for them. Mm-hmm. So let's get into it. I mean. We're going to start off with the first track, obviously, mm-hmm. and that is called Doll. You know when
1: way to start off the album yeah it sounds very just like sad yeah he's like guys
0: it's been it's been a time it's been a time let me tell you about it with this album let me tell you about this entire album it's not a concept album but i think it is that it all revolves around the same theme yeah of shit being bad
1: (laughs) that's a pretty broad theme but like yeah i mean i guess it's about his Like, very small microcosm of bad shit. Right. But really relating it to the macrocosm of bad shit.
0: Yeah. As this album goes on, I'm going to tell you how much I relate to this. (laughs) So this song opens up the album perfectly. Short and sweet and to the point, Dave lets out his fears. It is pretty plausible that this is a mix of two things. The fear of his divorce. What does that mean for him going forward? What about all the relationships and lifestyles that you develop around the marriage that is now gone? Mm -hmm. And the other fear could be in regards to jumping into a new musical project so quickly after Nirvana tragically ended. And while he needed that creative outlet, there are so many factors of the music industry and so many things that he had to go through in order to fully realize the Foo Fighters
2: Mm -hmm.
0: that there are those times where you're like, am I doing the right thing? Mm -hmm. Is this really what I wanted? Is this the right path to go down? He wants to be dialed, dialed up in his bad luck in order to protect himself from the worst case scenario, whether it be in regards to his love life or professional career. It's something most people do. Expect the worst. So if it happens, the impact is, impact is lessened because you aren't caught off guard. And if it goes well,
1: hey, nice surprise. Oh, look
0: at that. I mean, everyone does it. Yeah. I don't know how to not do it anymore. Yeah. Which I think is been really detrimental to me as a human, because <laughs> now I just always expect everything's awful all the time.
1: Welcome to being a pessimist. I don't like it. I am happy. I am ha- warm and cozy. Happy little pessimist. Happy little pessimist in my pessimistic sweatshirt and my <laughs> pessimist blanket, watching my sad pessimist movies. And with your pessimist slippers on. With my pessimist wine, box wine. Ooh, it's called pessimist. <laughs> Pessimist. Yes. <laughs> I, yeah.
0: I guess that's... It's nice here. Welcome. I don't like it. Here's a blanket. Really? It really? This. Is, I mean, this is a nice blanket, yeah. actually. This is pretty soft. Where'd you get this? Home
1: goods? Come to the sad side. <laughs> we have wine. Right. Box wine. <laughs> don't you forget it. <laughs> so, great way to start the album.
0: Give <laughs> you what to expect here. It's and then, then they take a whole left turn here. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like sonically. Yeah. Lyrically, not so much. So, the second song on the album is Monkey Wrench.
1: much of a banger that song is pretty good one it really is that's a solid just hard rock song yeah even 20, 20 plus years later it's a still good. a banger i have a question um who is the bassist i can never re- remember his name but i always reference him as the the guy from sunny day real estate oh nah,
0: uh, nate mendel maybe I, that's who's on base for this album. I know that I think Nate leaves after a while.
1: He does. But then he came back. So he's currently. Oh, he's, then I think this is Sunny Day Real Estate. Sunny Day Real Estate guy. I just Sunny Day Real Estate guy. I'm just going to keep referencing him as that. But I'm pretty sure I remember him in this video. But I also was just happy that Pat Smear was in the video because yeah. I love Pat Smear. I
0: believe this is the only single video that like the only video of the singles that Pat shows up in.
1: I thought he was in Big Me.
0: Oh, I mean, in this album. oh, He actually the, yeah. does leave Foo Fighters he, after he this. Yeah. And then Franz replaces him. Oh. Yeah. But just Did temporarily. Did not know that. <laughs> I know.
1: Should be, be
0: wild up in here.
1: Seriously.
0: <laughs> so the first single off the album and a real banger of a tune. Dave started with one riff that just melted into another and then another. And then you hit a song. That's how m- songs work. Yeah,
1: musically and lyrically, this song came together with ease.
0: <laughs> That's how songs work. That's,
1: that is that not is, ha- always how songs work. Not always, but you know, generally, that is how songs should work. That's how songs. So work. I wrote a chord, then I wrote another chord, and then I put them together.
0: These are chords.
2: And then and I got here's a, song. a song about
1: chords,
0: <laughs> chords. Another song about his divorce, on the side of when you know it's over and it's time to call it quits. Yeah. Dave said, "Quote: This is a song about realizing that you are the source of all the problems in a relationship. No, and you love the other person so much you want to free them of the problem,
1: which is actually yourself. Oh, yeah, that's different than what I thought it was about, right? Yeah, like I thought it was about somebody using him. Yeah, as like he's the tool in this relationship. Yeah, he's being used. No."
0: He's saying he's a monkey wrench, like he's like a monkey on somebody's back, like he's like an annoying tool or like oh. he's not
1: useful to Oh, well, that his makes wife it anymore. sad. Oh, yeah. No, it's a really sad song. God, this is, this album is the case of the sads.
0: Well, yeah. And oh, again, personally attacked.
1: <laughs> so these lyrics are
0: on point too, mm-hmm. such as, now and then I'll try to bend, under pressure wind up snapping in the end. A lot of times when you see a relationship failing, you make compromises to try to save it. This can build a presentment until you oh, yeah. eventually explode. And usually it's over something really insignificant. Yeah. And you're just like, I can't fucking do this anymore. Yeah. And it's just about how you're trying so hard to keep this relationship alive, but it's killing you. And by it killing you, it's killing them. Yeah. Because it's not a good relationship to be in. Right. Yeah. There's that. The overall theme here is that Dave realizes that his unhappiness is only making things worse and it's time to leave the situation. Yeah. When they first discussed making this a single, they were actually a bit hesitant. Hard and fast rock like this just wasn't really big right now.
1: Yeah, this was like 1997. Yeah. So boy bands were just starting. And like punk
0: was like Green Day punk and stuff, but yeah, it wasn't really about the hard rock yet.
1: Yeah, the grunge was kind of over and everyone was like, yeah, let's take a break from this. Yeah, this is a lot. Where's all of our, like, one-hit wonder bullshit.
0: Yeah, that was our one-hit wonder
1: years. Our, al- <laughs> <laughs> our alternative <laughs> years, our Weezer years and yep. shit like that. Oh, yeah. But yeah, they were generally concerned it wasn't
0: going to be well received. Mm -hmm. And once Dave heard the song on the radio, though, he knew it was a GD bop and shook up the radio stations from the common grunge sound. Mm -hmm. This was that bridge that everyone needed from grunge to the next thing. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. 100%. I kind of
1: feel like there's usually that one, like, we'll go through a period that's, like, pop-oriented or whatever. Yeah. Spice Girls were fucking big right now, oh, too. Oh, Spice Girls were huge, um, and then they had Backstreet so like, Boys and NSYNC coming in the, out. In the midst of, like, Spice Girls <laughs> was, like, one or two hard rock bands that, like, somehow managed to just stick it to them mm. and, like, get, like, Get their fucking claws in on the Hot 100 charts. Yeah,
0: like Smashing Pumpkins were getting pretty big at this point too. Yeah, because Melancholy and the Infinite Sadness came out. And Smash Mouth. Yeah.
1: Oh my god. It was... Oh my god, Smash Mouth. You know didn't come out know what? <laughs> you might as well be walking on the sun. <laughs> but also, why can't we be friends? Oh my god. Get out. It's because you're an all star. <laughs> I'm leaving. You know what? Get your game on. It's fine. Oh, uh, go cool play.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah, this is a hit. Peaked number nine
0: on the Rock Charts. Uh, you know, it's a big deal. Wasn't whatever. Smash Mouth, <laughs> but it wasn't Smash Mouth. Thank goodness it wasn't Smash Mouth. It was another weird name, like Foo Fighters. Yeah,
1: we were really being into weird names. Dumb names that were really not good for bands. Uh, next song. the The next song on the album is called "Hey Johnny Park." exclamation point. Yep. Yeah. Yo, I really like this song.
0: This is a very good song.
1: I like that one a lot.
0: Yeah, that one's fun. But what's funny is it, it this one strays from the theme and mm-hmm. um, that there is no theme. <laughs> <laughs> Who's Johnny Park? Well, there there is a Johnny Park. Oh, okay. Yes. Do tell. But according to Dave, this song's about fifteen different things, so it's really hard to pinpoint any kind of common theme. Okay. Yeah. He's just kind of like, I don't know, I got a lot of thoughts. This I <laughs> assume this was one of the first run session yeah. songs. The best one of the bunch. Probably, because it's really good. Yeah. It feels like a fairly upbeat song, reminiscent of one of those days where you feel like you're on an upswing of a bad time. You're like, my day's been bad, but kind of feeling this. Getting through it. Yeah. Not the worst day of the week. All right. All right. That point is reinforced with the lyrics. This beautiful bruises colors. Everything fades in time. It's true. This may have been written when Dave was... Feeling a bit more positive about his current situation. He's like, Me,
1: you know what? Everything fades. I can make it through. He He did. He he had the
0: opposite of the bad Bad day day guy. He had a good day. He had a good day. (laughs) Opposite of bad day guy. (laughs) It's the good day guy. It's Dave Grohl. Yeah.
1: Sure. He's usually the good day guy. He really is.
0: Not, Not generally during this time period. Yeah. This was his one good day. The only thing I could really find on this song was Dave explaining the title. Quote, the only reason why it's called Hey Johnny Park is because when I was young, my best friend was this kid who lived across the street from me called Johnny Park, and we were like brothers from ages 5 to 12. I hadn't heard from him since I was about 14 years old, and I thought if I named a song after him, he might call. Yep. That's so sweet. He's like. Hey, Johnny Park, call
1: me. (laughs) Has nothing to do with Johnny Park. This is clearly, clearly before the internet and social media was a real thing. Right. But you know,
0: so it's so funny. So then, of course, had to go on a deep dive to see if Johnny ever called him. Yeah. So one article from a very long time ago said he still hadn't reached out to Dave Grohl. Oh. But then I was reading through some Reddit threads Mm -hmm. and people were saying that Oh, yeah, no, I, I met Dave once and I asked him if you ever met Johnny or talked to Johnny. He said, yeah, I did. So I don't know hmm. if someone has information on whether or not <laughs> yeah. Dave found Johnny.
1: I mean, granted, Reddit is not, you know, the best uh, source of valid information. No. But, um, yeah, I would like to know. I want to know.
0: I want to know. Did Johnny, Johnny call Dave <laughs> Yeah, I really do though. So if you have that information, please let us know. Yeah. I need to know. Yeah. I wanna know.
1: Yeah. All of them.
0: But yeah, that's about all I got on this song. It's it's okay. a pretty it's a pretty uh quick little baby there.
1: Isn't it funny that one of the best songs on the album means absolutely nothing? Yeah,
0: especially a in a sea of songs that are so rich with emotion and lyrics and right. this one's like I don't know, it, like musically it's a fantastic song, yeah. and lyrically it's just, I don't know, I just dug up from different emotional pits and <laughs> tossed them all together and I made a little stir fry with it. Musical stir fry. <laughs> that sounds delicious, actually.
1: Name of the album. Um. Also another question before we move on. Yeah. This was before he was dating Louise Post from Veruca Salt.
0: I'll get to that. Thought you would. Don't steal my goddamn thunder.
1: Well, I figured if I asked, you'd be like, we'll get to it. And yeah, we'll get to it. Okay, cool. What would you have done if I was just like, oh, I actually don't know. I would have been like, come on. You clearly didn't actually do the research for this. Then I would have been like, well, I think it's before they started dating and blah, 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 blah. But Uh, I don't want to talk about it. I want to hear you talk about it. (laughs) Anyway. So <laughs>
0: but th- anyway, here's Wonderwall. Anyway, here's <laughs> Anyway, here's my poor brain, the next track on the album. <laughs> also a bop, though. Yeah. I like this one a lot.
1: I like the contrast between the light and sweet verses and the hard and heavy chorus. Are you doing my research for me? <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, yeah. No,
0: seriously, though. Stop stealing my thunder. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm,
1: it's not my fault we brain melded before we did this episode. We gotta
0: stop doing that. God. Or do it more? I don't know.
1: For the band,
0: this was a fun experiment in Dynamics. They wanted it to go from Jackson Five to Black Sabbath musically. It was the perfect opportunity for Dave to show off his awesome vocal range—that mm-hmm. soft, heady vocals down to his guttural screams,
1: yeah. the nice high notes. It's like, hey, I'm singing a song, and I'm singing loud. <laughs> I'm gonna have to bring the bring the
0: volume down on that. Apologies. Mm-hmm. Even lyrically, it ranged from sweet lines like. We hide in the stars. That's where our heads are. My head in your heart. To sometimes I feel like I'm getting stuck between the handshake and the fuck. (laughs) It's been insinuated that this song deals with getting back out in the field after a breakup. Uh Those awkward first few dates or just meeting someone and getting through the initial, you know, uh, nerves and oh I don't know what's going on to... The romanticism and just getting down to sexy times. Mm -hmm. The lyrical dynamics also speak to when you're first starting a relationship and trying to sift through those emotions to see if the feels are real or if it's just serving a temporary purpose. Mm -hmm. You know, when you first start dating someone and you're like, I'm really into them. I mean, how many times do you date someone in the first couple of days? You're like, no, this is great. I'm really into them. And then after like five dates or maybe your friends tell you, what are you doing, Maggie? Yeah, You're like, oh, that mirror broke, didn't it? Or the glass shattered. That's yeah. it. Yeah, the glass shattered.
1: Yeah. Or like you've been dating for a couple of months and you're like, I don't really know about this. And then they make a really like shitty remark about somebody and you just look at them and you're like, oh, yeah, I don't no. want to date you anymore. No. Now I need to get out of this. Yeah. Now I'm in a fucking,
0: I'm in a pickle.
1: <laughs> oh, what a pickle. Oh, what a pickle. <laughs> And
0: I do, but I do like the lyrics of sometimes I feel like I'm getting stuck between the handshake and the fuck. Some that's people are insinuating that Dave Grohl has trouble sealing the deal, quote unquote.
1: <laughs> no, that's not what he's saying. That's not what I got at all. That's
0: not either, but I just, that made me laugh when yeah. I was reading through some comments online. I was like, ah, that's funny. I doubt Dave Grohl ever had trouble I'm sealing the pretty deal. Pretty sure he does not. Look, drummers in general never strike me as people who have trouble sealing the deal.
1: Yeah, like they're pretty good at just playing dumb until they get to stick their dick into something. Yeah. That sounds about right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You know, it's cute. It is. They're dumb. They're, it's the Adam Sandler thing from Airheads. Oh my gosh, yep. That's exactly That's it. what it is. Play dumb until you get to fuck somebody. Yep. And then you fucked them and you can walk away. Exactly.
0: But yeah, the amount of how much I relate to most of these songs is upsetting. <laughs> I was like, oh, yep,
1: I know that. It's like, I need to have a conversation with Dave Grohl. I do. I need to be like, yeah. We I, need to go over some things, sir. I. Song by song. Don't like that
0: you were in my life, apparently, a couple years ago.
1: Yeah. But also, like, years and years ago, when I was in, like, seventh grade. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. What are you doing? predicting my future are you psychic
0: sir sir so that's about it for my poor brain so we're gonna scoot on over to the next
1: (laughs) that's it for my poor brain gotta go for
0: my brain good night everybody (laughs) the next song is wind up This is another banger of a song and it's kind of a fun interesting one because oh, okay. it's still stuff about Dave learning how to deal with new aspects in his life. Namely this song is going out to all the journalists and whiny rock stars. Oh no. What's he got to say about them. By this time, Dave's getting a lot of attention by tabloids and music news outlets. His story is a compelling one. Mm -hmm. I mean, putting out music under a fake band right after the game-changing band he was in, dissolved due to tragedy. Yeah, okay, that shit sells papers. Mm -hmm. And sprinkle his divorce up there, leaving... Oh, and also, let's not forget that William left. So, uh, yeah, he's got a lot for journalists to pick over here. A lot of meat on that bone. Yep. Later, he would comment that the way they acted, it's almost like they want artists to fail. Like, the way that they go after people. The media? Yeah, yeah, the media. Like,
1: oh, can you believe that, like, he's doing so well? And it's yeah. like, yeah. He's- How can he possibly do so well when his friend that he barely even knew and wasn't super close with committed suicide? Yeah. It's kind of like saying that. And they're super uncouth about it. Oh, no. Yeah, it's 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 gross. It's disgusting. It's really nasty. Especially back then when the media had absolutely no morals (laughs) whatsoever. Mm. And there was no other like legitimate. Journalistic sources to check the mainstream media. Oh, yeah. Who would just print anything. It doesn't matter if it's, like, sensitive or not. Yeah. Because now we have other journalistic... Outlets, outlets that will be like, um, no, this is wrong. Yeah, like, like independent ch- ones, yeah. fact
0: checking ones. That and come like, out and say, this is no.
1: really misogynistic, or this is really insensitive, or this is really, you know, anti women, or whatever. Or just like, this is this
0: is pretty fucked up and not completely accurate. You're kind of painting a picture that's not what
1: it is, right? Didn't really have that in 1997. No. So <laughs> yeah, everyone's just going to be like attack mode and. That's it. And I you think just have to fucking deal with it. Yeah.
0: And especially for people like Dave Grohl and other musicians like him, they aren't trying to get attention like that. Like, they just want to make music. Mm-hmm. They're like, look, I'm just happy to be doing something I love. i am make music. I'm telling my mm-hmm. stories. I'm crafting tales and songs. That's all I want. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the tabloids come out and try to dig up shit about him. And he's like, I don't even. Who the fuck did I even tell this to? Yeah the fuck is it going Who's talking? Why are they talking? You know, I think there's a lot of confusion for him because he's like, why are people talking about me? Yeah. I'm just Dave Grohl. I was the drummer in Nirvana. He
1: always kind of had that mentality, though, because even when he was starting to write his own music and like showing it to Kurt. Yeah. Um... He was like, yeah, I don't think I would ever perform this myself. So if you want to. Or it was more like, yeah, this is mine. Like, is it any good? And Kurt would be like, yeah, this is good. And he'd be like, but is it? (laughs) Oh, Dave. (laughs) And it's like, because I remember he had this one song called Marigold that he like presented to the band. Um, when they were doing In Utero, when they were recording that. Yep. And I think they recorded... He recorded Marigold with his own vocals. And he was like, I don't like this. Like, he never had any confidence in himself. Yeah. With his vocals. Yeah. Like, with drumming and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. Guitar work. Yeah. yeah pretty. we yeah, yeah. I'm okay. But, like, you know, whatever. You can make it work. Right. But, like, he just did not like his vocals. Yeah. I remember that. and, and Yeah. I remember they recorded Marigold and he was just super self-conscious about it
0: you know guys we don't we don't have to put this on the album yeah it's, you know it's I don't fine. need to write
1: anything it's fine
0: no, it's fine I'm just gonna sit back here and play the drums it's cool bye yep. I got hair to hide behind it's great it's good times <laughs> good times for me
1: I haven't figured out what facial hair is yet but you know I'll figure it out what I do it's gonna be hot it's gonna be great it's gonna be real good
0: for me epic <laughs> But on the other side of that coin, though, there are musicians who just whine about being famous, mm-hmm. who sit around and complain all day. Oh, my God. I had this fan come up and just like berate me about how much they loved me. And I just was trying to eat a salad. Misfits. So what the misfits do.
1: Great. I'm not going to go on about that, though. Every we'll, episode. We'll you save definitely that. definitely sneak a misfits dig we'll in. We'll save that for another episode. Oh, yeah. It's coming up soon. But
0: in the song, Dave just wants to remind them like how lucky they are to be able to play music for a living and not be stuck working some menial nine to five or worse. Yeah. Tell me about it. Dave would go on interviews and rant about how, do you know how happy I am to not have to do the weird odd jobs or manual labor jobs that I had to do before? I get to do the thing I love, which is make music. I relish every moment of it. I don't like the journalists. I think they're assholes, but I'm more than happy to be here for fans or chat up with other artists and musicians. Right. Like, I want to be in.
2: which is I'm kind not of... a reluctant
0: musician, which a lot of the reluctant musicians are like, it's like they sit around and say, oh, I don't want
1: to be like so famous. Yeah.
0: But in doing that, it feeds the journalists who want material. Right.
1: Which is kind of why I think he's probably gotten the nickname of the nicest guy in rock and roll. mm 'cause yeah he is a really, really super nice guy to his fans, yeah, I mean, we've heard stories where he is not exactly the nicest guy to his bandmates, yeah, um, and that fucking sucks, yeah, but you know when you're really super nice to your fans because you're super appreciative of what they yeah are allowing you to do, I kind of have to give respect to that.
0: I think there is also a level truly many bands that I am researching in the current moment. <laughs> Cause I'm doing way too much research at once. Anyway um, I think there is a level of when you're a musician working with other musicians it's almost like you don't trust anybody else if that makes sense. Like you just go off and do your own thing and you're like I'm, I'm just gonna I'm gonna do it this way and not I mean like what he did with William. It's like he's not gonna yeah. think about the way it affects other people because he's just thinking about the end music results. Yeah. There are which a is, lot of other musicians who I will get into in the next few months who do this.
1: Which is interesting because later on in his career, he does make new bands with other well-established musicians.
0: Yes, but
1: I think there is a difference between... There's a very big difference between 97 Dave Grohl and like 2010 Dave Grohl. Yeah. Very big difference. Yeah. Um, But also there is a difference between... Very unestablished Dave Grohl Mm -hmm. and very established Dave Grohl, who has, like, all the time in the world to just collaborate with whoever he wants to collaborate with. Right. And if he's going to create a super group, I'm going to say that he probably knows he's going to work well with these people. Yeah. Yeah. He's not doing it because he needs fucking money. Right, right. And this is his job. He's doing it because he really wants to work with Josh Homme. And frankly, that is a fantasy i'm okay with your queens of the stone age boner is showing it is (laughs) presenting yeah (laughs) i am fully presenting my boner she is it's
0: nice it's not bad it's great let's move on okay all right so the next song on the album is called up in arms sweet little song.
1: That's a nice song.
0: It is. It's just a short, sweet little love song that uh, apparently Dave wanted to write it to be akin to a knack song.
1: It shows his A the
0: knack? Is it knack or the knack? Um,
1: I believe it's the knack.
0: Okay. A the knack song.
1: They did My Sharona? Yes. Ah. Yeah. Creepiest song ever written. We're not going to talk about that. That's not what we're here to talk about. We're here to talk
0: about how Dave Um, Grohl just want to write a sweet, fun little love song. Shows his punk roots a little bit. It does. The drumming? Mm. 100. Mm-hmm. There are a few personal touches in this song. Mm-hmm. The lyrics, the rain is here and you, my dear, are still my friend. Seems to be a nod to Jennifer that even though they didn't work out, she could still count on him as a friend and he held no bitter feelings.
1: It's nice.
0: But th- is it true? So I think it was like, it was as amicable as a divorce can be. Okay. Maybe not perfect. I think there were some... I think there were some messy aspects to it. You know, years and years down the line, decades later, Dave Grohl's like, I still, you know, care for her as a friend. Yeah. She's a sweet weirdo and we had a great time. <laughs> you know, basically what he said is, we were better friends and shouldn't have
1: gotten married. Yeah. Ooh, you relate to that.
0: I was like, God damn it, Dave Grohl. Get out of my brain.
1: <laughs> Stop being me, Dave Grohl. Stop being
0: me 20 years in the past. God damn it son of a bitch you beautiful son of a bitch! beautiful son of a bitch (laughs) but yeah it's uh i don't know if they stayed like super friends or anything but i think they're friendly yeah i think they're like i feel like a divorce when you're a celebrity like you're not gonna be biffles like you can be getting divorced like as a regular person right because as a regular person you're still gonna live in the same communities still run in the friend the same same friend circles right Getting divorced as a celebrity, it's like, well, there's five hundred other people I need to hang out with and fifty projects I'm working on, so yeah. bye.
1: And also I cannot actually be seen or work with these gigantic list of people and I cannot be seen on this gigantic list of restaurants and public places <laughs> and I can't do any of these things anymore. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That doesn't really doesn't really.
1: Doesn't jive well.
0: Not always. What is cute, though, is at the end of the song, they went from singing I cannot forget you, girl, to I cannot forget you, Gil, as a nod to producer Gil Norton. Aw. That was cute.
1: I'm glad that they made up and became friends and he wasn't such a fucking asshole. I don't think he ever was. I think Dave and
0: Gil always got along. Yeah. Yeah. I think they were always fine. That's nice. Yeah, that's a cute little song. Mm. Cute little fun little ditty. Ooh, this next one though. This next one, this next one's a great song. uh
1: Hmm.
0: Oh, do you not like this song?
1: I'm just tired of it. That's fair. But it's got a good message. Sure. I would. I'm very interested to know the story behind this song because I have gotten conflicting stories.
0: Interesting. I'm curious to hear your mm. other story because I've only heard one. Mm. Okay. But we'll talk about it in a minute. All right. After we listen to a snippet of "My Hero." Oh, no. Know what this song reminds me of, what? And I'm got a shame receipt. Oh, reminds me of the soundtrack to Varsity Blues. While I never uh. saw <laughs> Varsity Blues, I had
1: the soundtrack for some reason. Sometimes the soundtrack's better than the movie. It was a
0: really good soundtrack. It had this, it had some like ACDC and Van Halen and something else. Never saw Varsity Blues, though. No, never. It had the crying guy from Dawson's Creek,
1: James Vanderbeek.
0: Yeah. Yeah, crying guy from Dawson's Creek. You no, know, crying guy. He cried a lot, and then he played football, <laughs> and this song was in it. And, and it's that, a good song. And that was Dawson's Creek, everybody, <laughs> <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Dawson's Creek, as told by Maggie.
1: Um, so when this song came out, everyone was like, "Oh my God, it's Dave talking about Kurt Cobain because Kurt Cobain was his hero," and Dave was like, "No." it's not it's not and everyone was like but it is and he's like no it's not and they're like no it is it is it's about curry he's your hero and he's like fine (laughs) i guess that sounds pretty accurate too i feel like how
0: dave Grohl will eventually just handle most things like
1: if that's what you want to
0: believe like i'm not gonna
1: i have shows to play i'm just gonna go i got a lot of music to make yeah so i'm just i gotta go yeah,
0: no, that's an accurate story. <laughs> did I steal your thunder? No, again? <laughs> no. But well, is that it? Is accurate? Yeah. So this is the third single off the album, and mm. it became a top ten hit in the alternative charts, and is a Foo Fighter classy. Tell me about it. I just did. This song criticizes the idol worship many have for rock stars. Yes. So the exact opposite. Of what yes. everyone was saying. Like, what the story is that you're telling is accurate. Yes. But what they think is
1: wrong. This was from personal experience. I yes. remember this.
0: <laughs> when he was young, Dave says he didn't have big name heroes. His heroes were regular people that he knew in his life, family and friends who he could rely on. There's a hint of Kurt Cobain in here, too, but not the way people think. Right. It's more along the lines of being inspired by the way everyone worshipped him. Yes. Yes. Dave felt the hero worship that fans had of him was strange, and many took his persona and turned it into a deity of sorts. Yes. He remembered seeing someone hitchhiking wearing a Kurt Cobain shirt, and he thought, what? What?
1: Yeah. He thought it was odd. That's why, like, it's so weird to me that people now, like... Young 20-somethings, teenagers wear Nirvana shirts now. I guess it's the same way that we would wear, like, Black Sabbath and Led Zeppelin shirts when we were young. But I'd like, like to think they at least listen to the music. God, I hope so, but I I'm pretty sure of them they don't. don't. I mean, yeah. fucking Kourtney Kardashian was just photographed wearing a Cannibal Corpse shirt. There is no granted, way. Granted, she is older than me, but, like... There's no way. There's no way. There's
0: absolutely... Or... You know what? Or if there is, she let her real persona show.
1: Yeah. And at some point a few years ago, Kim Kardashian was photographed wearing a Morbid Angel shirt. And I'm like, you don't fucking know who Morbid Angel is, bitch. You can't read that name. You don't know what that says. (laughs) You can't read that fucking shirt. You don't know what you just put on. Ashley can't even read it. And she reads death metal. Granted, Morbid Angel is much easier to read than actual death metal. But like... (laughs) I I get that they are our age, but it's the same concept. Yeah, it's it is like, weird to hero worship like that. Yeah, like... Uh, I mean, I guess, also, I guess I do that too with,
0: like, Freddie Mercury, though, in a way.
1: But Freddie Mercury, I kind of feel like, is a better option to worship than Kurt Cobain was, because... And you're saying this as a Nirvana fan. As a very big Nirvana fan. Like, Kurt is not somebody that anybody should worship. Yeah. He, he has- was... It, you should relate to him as a regular human being, and you should empathize with his plight. Exactly, but you shouldn't be like you should man, not Kurt worship Cobain that man. Gets me like no, he don't, honey. Stop. Kurt Cobain barely got himself, honey. Uh, stop, <laughs> stop
0: it. So <laughs> this song claims the true heroes are those who aren't famous. They are the ones who are there for you when things go to shit, and they help you recover. Yeah. Dave's mother is a well-known lady for being a tough, boss-ass bitch.
1: She's awesome.
0: She raised two kids on her own. So this is the image that he has when the word hero is mentioned. And he wants the same to happen for those who listen to the song. There goes my hero. He's ordinary. Yeah. To further bring this point home, the music video features a man who runs into a burning building to save a woman's baby and her dog the eyes of those who are rescued are blocked out to represent that they are people in need and you never need you never see the face of the hero cuz being the hero means doing the right thing because you want to help not because you want the credit yeah so, not because
1: you want to be labeled a hero
0: right you just want to do the fucking right thing anyway here's the next song mm. it's called see you
2: I take don't get me anywhere, I'm getting further from myself, one thing is always true, good it is to see you.
1: Dare I say that one's dancy? That's a little cute, little bop,
0: cute yeah. little ditty,
1: little ditty bop, Bop Ditty,
0: Bop Ditty. <laughs> it's there's not a lot to the song. Mm-hmm. Only Dave liked it. Everyone else <laughs> wanted it off the album. Everyone's like, I "Fuck mean, this song."
1: Maybe you should take that into consideration. But like, it's a fine song. It's a, it's like two and a half
0: minutes. It's cute. It's fun. It actually was one of Dave's favorites on oh. the album. So he decided to go back into the studio and he redid the drum part to sound like the Queen classic Crazy Little Thing Called Love.
1: Yeah, I can see that. Right? And Once I heard that, I was
0: like, oh, yeah. Missing called love. I just can't handle it. Yeah. It
1: has like an old school 50s
0: vibe. Yeah. It's just a quick little pop interlude in a sea of deep, thoughtful tracks, which might be why Gil didn't like it.
1: (laughs) That makes sense. Gil's
0: like, I, w- I want serious shit. And J- Dave's like, but this is just all serious all
1: the time. I'm Gil. I'm serious.
0: You know what? I think this is a concept album in the sense that it is a concept on Dave's life at this time. Yeah. He's like, I need this one to live. Yeah. And everyone's like, all right, we'll let him have it. He made it sound Fine. like a crazy little thing called love. We'll let it <laughs> slide. Fine. But swear to God. Anyway, we need to keep this moving because we still got a lot of tracks left and we're over an hour.
2: Oh, boy. Yeah.
0: So the next track is called Enough Space. I was
2: waiting-
0: Angry. He sounds angy, but he's not. Yeah. But this is a very, like, quintessential, I feel like, harder Foo Fighters song. Yeah. Very reminiscent of the first album, kind of vibing into the second. And, you know, they they got a couple songs like this. I mm-hmm. don't feel like they don't do this as much anymore. Mm hmm. Which I do kind of miss these songs for the Foo Fighters. But funny enough, Dave didn't stop with the somewhat silly songs. But I guess this is still meaningful to him. So Mm -hmm. see, this song is based on one of his favorite movies, Arizona Dream, which is a 1993 French American surrealism comedy starring Johnny Depp, Faye Dunaway and Jerry Lewis. That sounds insufferable. I read both the plot on Wikipedia <laughs> and watched the trailer, and I'm still not entirely sure how to explain it. Yeah. Something like Johnny Depp's cousin convinces him to move from New York to Arizona because his uncle Lou, who's played by Jerry Lewis, is marrying a young lady and has him work at his car place. And then he meets Faye Dunaway, who's trying to build a flying machine what and and like she's trying to like he's gonna help her and then like her stepdaughter is a pain in the ass and then he was
1: like but let me make gilbert grape and everybody will like that
0: (laughs) it i mean but then i looked at like the reviews people fucking love this movie what really yeah i need to show you the trailer later because you're gonna watch it be like what the fuck is this? But maybe we're wrong. Maybe we're swine. If we're wrong, please tell us. Maybe <sighs> we, we'll watch it.
1: Maybe we'll we, let you know. Maybe we just suck and are Look, uncouth. I and am not uncouth, so and
0: that's fine. We're trash. I'm okay. I am definitely trash. It's fine. The lyrics directly reference the movie, specifically flying machines and Lily for Lily Taylor, who plays Faye Dunaway's stepdaughter. Oh, okay. Yeah, so he's like 100% like, this is about Arizona dreams. Yeah, Dave also wrote it to be a set opener for their shows, because it has that upbeat tempo, which is perfect for, like, you know, jumping and bouncing around in crowds. It's got lots of, like, energy to hype up the crowd with. Mm-hmm. They were looking for a good opener, and Dave's like, I got it. I'm going to write a song about this weird-ass fucking movie I saw, <laughs> and we're going to sing about it. All right. So... That's I song. guess if you're
1: gonna write about a Johnny Depp movie, pick that one, sure I don't know I'd love to hear his song about what's eating Gilbert Graves. I would too, but like thinking back on it, like that movie probably doesn't age well, like Leonardo DiCaprio's uh performance probably shouldn't have gotten him nominated for an Oscar. Yeah, I'm gonna go with no
0: anyway, yeah, so that's all I got for that song,
1: okay, but you know what for what it's worth. It's a
0: bop. Yes. It is fun to dance around too. I can one hundred percent see where he's coming from. Where he's like, no, 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 look, we can we can jump around. It's a good time. Got it. All right. Let's go to the next song, okay. which I'm partial to because it's called "February Stars."
2: Mm.
0: This is the song that I didn't really know before that I'm like, now this is the song I'm taking with me. I like the song a lot. This one's great. It's so pretty. Yeah. And it's great. Like, musically, thematically, awesome fucking song. Thumbs up, Dave Girl, You fucking did it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you did it before, but you did it again.
1: I th- think that this is um, a really good example of an ethereal ro- Ethereal rock song. Ooh. Yeah. There was like a point in like the late 90s, early 2000s when rock bands like this were making, some were making songs like Hole was doing it, Smashing Pumpkins were doing it. Smashing Pumpkins were like really great at this time Mm -hmm. of making ethereal, whimsical sounding rock songs that like really conjured up a very specific emotion In a very specific feeling. Yeah. And I am here for that feeling. Yep. It like spoke to like the witchy goth girl in me. Yes. Absolutely. And this song hits that nail right on the head.
0: It's like you listen to it like at twilight and you're kind of sitting outside. yeah, Enjoying like a nice quiet evening. There's no fucking cars driving by. It's
1: like a really nice like cool September evening. Ugh. Fire pit. Or, no. like, or, like, just sitting in your room and it's dark and you have one of those lamps that, like, spins around and puts shapes on the walls. <laughs> like, that's the kind of feeling that I get.
0: Now I'm just, like, yeah, I'm just sitting in my room when I was in high school, just sitting on the floor, laying on the floor, just kind of looking at the ceiling, the sun's setting, and I'm just, like, yeah.
1: February it reminds me of a very specific shade of blue. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know if that means anything to anybody, but it's a very specific shade of dark twilight blue which i just painted my living room that
0: color see i'm I'm putting it a little darker than that but i know exactly what color you mean yeah oh man
1: that color and this kind of song brings me to a very specific late 90s period of my life when i was really into nirvana and really into like ethereal hard rock music yeah
0: oh gosh (laughs) Now I just want to like drink beers and get like a giant canvas and just paint that blue on a canvas yes. and see where I can go with that, which just, isn't far because I'm a
1: terrible artist. I just want that blue on everything that mm. I own. Yep. Okay. Well, that's all about that song. <laughs> <laughs> this is how 90s we are is that we can equate it to a very specific color yep. and a very specific sound that rock bands were oh, producing And at like the a time. feel in the air. Yes. Nope.
0: Very much. Yep. I'm there. I'm there. High school Maggie's right there. Yep.
1: So Dave says this
0: is a song about, quote, hanging on by the tips of your fingers and hoping you don't slip and fall. Certainly a sentiment he was likely experiencing at the time.
1: Hello, junior
0: high. Oh, my gosh. Seriously. <laughs> but the music itself was conceived as early as 1994 when in the last Nirvana studio session, he was with Krist, and they were like, hey, let's just you know it was da- just jam jam it was kind of like a jam session or dave was just like i have an idea for a song and they just started working together on something uh-huh. and chris was actually chris was actually playing the harmonium and oh. i don't know if dave was on drums or guitar but he was just making up lyrics and they were making up the basic chord progression and mm-hmm. stuff for it so chris had a hand in this mm-hmm. even and apparently at the beginning of the recording of the of the draft that they made in the 90s when he was still nirvana you can hear a cat meowing because a stray let itself into the Aww. studio. But I had searched far and wide, I cannot find that demo. Aww. So if anybody like knows where I can find it on YouTube or whatever, please send it my way cuz I want to hear. I would love to hear it on a harmonium so cuz nice. I bet that'd be fucking pretty.
1: That would be freaking awesome. That would
0: be real smashing pumpkins right Super there. Super
1: smashing pumpkins. Those pumpkins
0: are smizzity smashed. <laughs> Indeed.
1: All over my junior high dreams
0: somebody just like smashed a harmonium all over my my fucking binder from seventh grade
1: all over my junior high memories
0: oh yes well speaking of for me i think this is more of a high school memory oh boy. even though it did come out when you're we junior high but this is a song yeah that we all know you know it we know it it's ever long
1: You gotta promise not to stop
0: when I say when she sang.
1: <laughs>
0: oh, But this
1: song. It's still a fucking jam. It's still a I've fucking heard it, jam. I've heard it so much and I still love it. Haven't gotten sick of it. But
0: does this also bring you back to where that last song brought you back? With Absolutely. This, it still brings me back to high school.
1: You know, actually, what brings me back to high school even more for some reason mm. There is an acoustic version of this yes. out here. Oh, my
0: God. The acoustic
1: version. Hello.
0: Is so... It's sick.
1: It's amazing. It should be put in the hospital, in the infirmary. It's sick. <laughs> put this in the Library of Congress under Ken Fuck. <laughs> is um, that in the Library of Congress? I don't know. Congress? I don't know. I hope so. It can be in the dictionary under Ken Fuck, but like... <laughs> <laughs> Ever long. Yeah. Ken Fuck. It could be in the Library of Congress under the author Ken Fuck. Oh, Ken Fuck. I want that to be my my pen name now. Ken, it's Ken F u c h s. Ken fucks. Ken Fuchs. (laughs) Anyway, there's a lot Uh, to this song,
0: so let me get into it. Okay. Okay. And you've been asking about it all night.
1: This is about Louise Post. It It is. is. Yay! I knew it. I did know that, actually. I know. I know you know. I forgot I knew it. I'm like I writing it. that.
0: it's I'm like, ah, she knows this. <laughs> one of the most iconic Foo Fighters songs turns out to be one of the most complicated. Yes. So this song was written during the December break in 96, while Dave was not just reflecting upon his divorce with Jennifer, but also finding himself falling for a new love. Mm-hmm. He had recently kindled a relationship with Veruca Salt's Louise Post. Mm-hmm. He was back in Virginia, sleeping on the floor of a friend's house, because he was essentially homeless at the time after splitting with his wife.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: He's in the middle of the night, and he just begins to write some lyrics, and 45 minutes later, "Everlong" was a song.
1: Aww.
0: It's very layered in its theme, And God, I have a new appreciation for this fucking song. <laughs> so finding a new love right at the tail end of another. And you're feeling that exciting emotion that one does with something that's just so fresh. But also being quite aware of the disillusionment of a relationship falling apart. Mm -hmm. So that's where Dave is right now. His divorce is falling apart. He's like, I know things eventually fucking blow. Right. But I'm so into this chick right now. And everything in Dave's life was falling apart at that point. His marriage was over. He had no home. Things with his bandmates were slowly falling apart. Mm -hmm. He wanted to experience this new relationship with caution, but the two were very connected physically and emotionally. The song is about throwing caution to the wind. Even though you are pretty well aware of how it's likely going to end, especially if you're on the more cynical side and in the pessimist blanket. Mm
1: -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. In, D- the, in the pessimist sleeping bag, the yes. tent of pessimism.
0: But we have ice cream yeah. and wine. Yeah. Dave and Luis had a passionate love. They were so connected that it was easy for them to harmonize when singing together even. Hence the lyrics, Out of Her Head She Sang. Mm-hmm. This song isn't just about Luis, though. It's also very inspired by her band as well. Dave confesses that the riffs are akin to those in, played in Veruca Salt's Shimmer Like a Girl. They
1: kind of are.
0: They are. I listened to the two next, next to each other. I'm like, oh, yeah, no, that's, yeah. Yeah. But he credits it.
1: Uh-huh.
0: And on top of that, he used Luis's harmonized backup vocals as well, which he recorded over the phone at 2 a.m. her time. Uh-huh. He called her up in the middle of the night and was like, I really need your vocals to back me up on this. Uh-huh. So she does, she does like these do 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 she does those in the background. And if you isolate his vocal in the backup vocals, you can just, it's fucking her.
1: Well, also in the acoustic version, like there's no harmonies Mm-mm. in there, but it's super easy to harmonize when singing oh, along yeah. to it.
0: It is a nice, easy, basic uh, melody that you can find like, oh yeah, I can find the third here. It's not yeah. that hard. But they did have a really wonderful relationship that was just like that total cosmic yeah. energy and they vibe together and then a couple of years later he cheated on her with winona rider
1: oh come on
0: yeah dave yeah, right with i love winona rider
1: i do too oh, but no no like, hold really? on listen,
0: listen 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 to me i think i got a hot take okay i love winona rider mm-hmm. she's an amazing actress I am willing to bet though, if we were in a real life, just regular human scenario, she would be that girl that we would always look at and be like, Why is everyone so fucking into her though? Yep. yep. I love Winona Ryder. Yep. But why is everyone so fucking hard on for her? Yeah.
1: Oh yeah. There is a person in my periphery right now yes. who I am like screaming internally. Like, why does everybody like this person? I don't fucking I don't get fucking it. get it. I don't I don't get fucking it. get
0: it. She's gorgeous. Yeah. She's an amazing she's actress. She's a fine
1: the real life person is a fine person. I'm sure she's a fine person. And I'm sure if I got to know her, I would like her. But at this moment everyone's kind of shoving her down my throat and I'm like, I don't get it. I don't get it. Stop this. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. But anyway, so that's the song of Everlong. It's mm-hmm. not just about a breakup. It's not just about a newfound love. It's about the insanely complicated feelings. Of getting with the new love after getting divorced because that shit's wild. Yeah, you're like, why am I getting into a committed relationship? I know how this is gonna end. And then there's that other voice that's like, but maybe it'll be great. And then there's the other voice that says, but it probably won't. And then there's just like conflicting and then terror you, for
1: your whole life. And then you fuck right on a writer, and you're like, why did I do this? <laughs> why I do this? Why I do this? Ah,
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, they did not have a good breakup.
1: Yeah, no, they didn't. Yeah, no. I think they're
0: okay now. Like, I think it's like, they're fine. Yeah. Because, I mean, why are you going to give a shit anymore? But still. Yeah. She was like,
1: hmm. Time heals all wounds, or I at guess. least, Or at least
0: makes you be like, hmm, whatever.
1: Or at least is that nice, shiny layer of new skin over the wound. Yes. <laughs> just keeping everything together. Just barely. Yep. And you can always see you're
0: like, there's like, yeah, that's right. That that accident happened. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Speaking of accidents. Oh. Uh, we're going we're gonna to talk about another song called Walking After You. All right.
1: this song yeah is this a single
0: yes okay. it was a single it was also on the x-files movie soundtrack
1: yeah that's not how i know
2: it
0: okay that's how i know it and i actually was very torn because i kind of the x-files soundtrack version is different than this one oh. it's this is a bit more acoustic the other one is it just has more oomph, oomph to it and i like it a bit better mm-hmm. but i decided to stay real to the album so yeah i was like well i'll just play the album version yeah this was actually one of my favorite Foo Fighters songs. Yeah, because it's beautiful. I thought it was a lot more romantic than it is. Um,
1: I'm not I'd say with the lyrics, probably not.
0: Yeah, no, well, I mean, like, I listened to the lyrics, and I interpreted it in my own way, which yeah. is sure, I'm sure is fine. Dave Gold probably like, you can interpret this any way you want. Yeah. But now that I know the meaning, I'm like, oh, it's still very beautiful. Mm-hmm. Dave says, quote, it's an emotional, sappy song about getting dumped. Ah. <laughs> Another track written by him alone during the break between sessions. Mm-hmm. It covers the feelings that he initially had when Jennifer served him the divorce papers.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: He really wallows in it here with lyrics. If you'd accept surrender, I'd give up some more. Weren't you adored? Sounding as if he can't believe this is truly the end and bargaining with her to stay.
2: Mm-hmm. You know That it, is a
1: stage of grief.
0: It is a stage bargaining. of grief. Man, divorce is a weird fucking grief, man. Though if you walk out on me, I'm walking after you. Now I think about it, it sounds kind of stalkerish. It does. It's totally creepy. I don't think that's how Dave meant it. No. I don't think that's why he what he was going for. And that initially wasn't what I saw. I yeah. thought it was like cuz I've got I'm on your back and like I'm walking after you. I thought that was like almost like a, I'm going to be here for you. I'm a net yeah, for you yeah, to fl- yeah. I thought it was a love song. But I thought now it was like a I'm
1: I'm always after here you. for you. I'm here for you. Yeah.
0: And like I'm on your back, like I'm gonna make sure nobody fucks. Like with I got you. your back. Yeah, I got your six. Yeah, you know. And now, but I'm now like, that we're oh. pushing forty
1: and we're fucking jaded, we're like, oh, that's creepy,
0: dude. Oh no, it was because I researched this album. <laughs> I still at thirty seven was like, no, this, oh, this is sweet. <laughs> it sounds so beautiful, though. This is
1: what boyfriends are supposed to do.
0: Well, I just like, I'm like, oh yeah, that's somebody who cares about you. They got your back. Yeah.
1: No, listening to it now, I'm like, no, that's fucking creepy. Dude, what are you doing? Just like, if she wants to go, just let, like, her, go. let her go. Yeah, let her go. Stop it. You're embarrassing yourself.
0: <laughs> I think the way he meant it was more like a, look, I'm walking after you. Like, I've got your back. Like, I still want to have a relationship, like a friendship. I still want this to be something.
2: Mm-hmm. He
0: wants an amicable breakup. Right. So I don't think he means it in like a creepy stalker way. I think he means it in like a if you ever need any, should you need us?
1: Yeah, should you need us?
0: Dave Girls basically, what's his face from Labyrinth? Um, uh a Hoggle? He's just Hoggle. <laughs> Fine. Do you want him to be or a Ludo? He's Ludo. Okay. Or Sir Didymus? No. He oh, he's Sir Didymus. He's Sir Didymus. Yeah. You know what? He's just Sir Didymus. Yeah. Should you need us? <sighs> <laughs> so. There is one song left on the album. Okay. It's the last one. Mm-hmm. It's a perfect little bow in the album. Okay. And I'm going to call it New Way Home. Okay.
1: All I can think of when I hear this song is somebody in the background just aggressively shaking a tambourine. <laughs> they probably like, are. Like, to a point where they, like, put themselves on the floor in exhaustion because they are shaking that tambourine so hard. They, like, wake up the next morning,
0: their arm hurts because they shook the tambourine so much. But they just
1: wake up, like, shaking their hand because they're just so used to just shaking that tambourine. This is my life now, right? Right? You look like you're jerking yourself off. I am. (laughs) God damn it. I can't believe you figured it out. Well,
0: New Way Home serves as the final look at a shit time in life and trying to keep the optimistic spirits up.
1: Ugh gross. The optimism
0: came into our little pessimistic room and was like, Hey, I got coffee.
1: And everybody else in this pessimistic blanket fort was like, Fuck off. No, I was like, Fresh pots? <laughs> and they're like, fresh pots. And I'm like, and you are the one person who's actually an optimist who was like, yeah, fresh pots. And everybody else was like,
0: (laughs) I just moonlight as a pessimist.
1: (laughs) You weren't really one of us. You knew it. You knew I was never really a pessimist. We were just your waiting room. (laughs) I mean, look, the wine was great. The The box wine was great. I love the blanket fort. I mean, this was great. And I, I thank you so much for the Franzia, but <laughs> they got like a real good Pinot Noir yeah. over here, and like Dove chocolate. So also like
0: their cold brew on nitro. I gotta get it of This I'm sorry, <laughs> but I'll I'll probably be back in like two months. No, and then I come back in two months. You're like we knew you would be back.
1: <laughs> we knew it. <laughs> Okay, Cupid didn't work out for you so well, <laughs> did it, Maggie?
0: I don't. Does oh, you know what? We're not getting into it. We're not even. Nope. As he says, it the lyrics sum up Dave's journey of quote emotions and pitfalls and ups and downs. But at the end of the day, you realize that you're not scared anymore, and you're gonna make it.
1: Oh, that's so disgustingly optimistic. I know, I but it's so it. sweet. I hate. I it. love it.
0: Fine. Near the end, he sings, quote, I love this leash that holds me when I try to run away, which reads to me that the leash is his determination. When he tries to run away from everything, his career, relationships, anything in between, his spirit keeps him going, even knowing it won't always be the best of times. He's not
1: giving up. Good for him. I appreciate the tenacity. <laughs> I think it's lovely. I think it's a great
0: sentiment. Sometimes you have those days where you're like, you know what? Fuck this. Like, I am worth it. And I can make it. And I can fucking do this. Gosh darn it. People like me. People like me. (laughs) There was a title track written for this album, but it ultimately did not make the final cut. It was recorded during the first sessions and ended up being too raw and thrashy for the final product.
1: (laughs) Too thrashy.
2: You know
0: what? <laughs> That's great. Uh, it has been put out in re-releases, and I listen to it, and I can see what they mean. Yeah, it did not Doesn't fit. fit. The, it did not fit the vibe because mm-hmm. I was listening to it. It's a good song. Uh-huh. Do not get me wrong, but it belonged more on the debut. It does not belong on the sophomore. Okay. The color and the shape came out to critical praise, with many saying that this was paving the way for the future of rock, and they were right. The Foo Fighters were in a small group of rock musicians who were daring to try something different, but were able to create a sound that everyone could get into. And
1: very much bucked the sophomore slump trend, which is very hard to do. Mm -hmm. So good for them. Honestly. I found it funny that a lot of critics' biggest
0: issue was with the production, finding it distracting and too radio-friendly and polished, which is a criticism Nirvana had received as well. And it turns out mofos just needed something to pick at.
1: Yeah. And that's usually what they pick at when they have absolutely nothing else. This sounds else. too good. Oh, well, this sounds too good. But if it sounded slightly less than good, they would be like, this, this sounds, sounds
0: terrible. You really should have upped the production on this yeah. one. Maybe try it a little harder.
1: Yeah. you Like, you cannot win when it comes to music critics. And that's why music critics are fucking bunk. They really... Like, They're ooh, bullshit. Ooh, I who, have never based an opinion. Literally, who bestowed upon to you the I get to criticize everybody crown? Yeah. And allowed you to just be like, this is my opinion, and what my opinion is, is what should go. Like, like, that's no, you're an idiot. Fuck no, yourself. Nobody should base their opinion on something, especially an album, based on what you think. Yeah. That's so stupid.
0: I don't give a shit what you think. I don't know you. Well, it didn't even matter, though, because commercially, the album was a huge success yes. and solidified the Foo Fighters as a mainstay in the music world peaking at number 10 in the Billboard 200, and producing a few videos that had heavy rotation on MTV, Mm -hmm. it all just made them pretty unforgettable.
1: I mean, Dave Grohl's face in fisheye lens in the Monkey Wrench video is like ingrained into my brain at this point. so
0: Yeah. And I'm going to say it, this is a perfect album. All the tracks are good, nothing is a throwaway, even the stuff that you know, some of the band members viewed as like, this isn't really what we're going for. It's still good. Mm -hmm. It's still a bop. And at the end of the day, they all hold sentimentality for Dave in some way. Mm -hmm. Again, I think this is a concept album of Dave's life in 1996
1: and (laughs) 7. Pretty much, yeah.
0: The band would go on to have more and more hits and become one of the most likable bands in history. Their sophomore effort definitely played a heavy part in that, showing the world that It is possible to pick yourself up from rock bottom and keep moving on to bigger and better things. Your darkest moment doesn't have to be your last. No. And that's The Color and the Shape by the Foo Fighters. Hmm. And I now love this album.
1: It's nice. It's nice. I might have a rotation of it in my blanket for of pessimism. All right. I, guess, um, I just won't listen to that last track
0: where it tells me everything's okay. Yeah. It's we'll not. skip that
1: one. We'll just leave it open. And then I'll come in and be like, Hey, everything's okay And you're like, Get out <laughs> Go get your fresh pots, Maggie. you're like, You want some fresh pots? Maybe. Is it cold brew? Yeah. Fine. <laughs> cold like my cold dead heart you like it cold and black like my heart
0: oh all right here you go i got your coffee just how you liked it
1: thanks i want some creamer though okay
0: get you some oat milk
1: no no almond no milk just give me garbage sugar-free creamer. That's all I want. Oh, well, now I learned something today. Anyway,
0: thank you all so much for listening. We hope you learned something today. Indeed. We went a lot longer than I expected for an album, but here oh, we are. Shit. I know. We Indeed talked a we lot. Did. But hope you kids enjoyed it. Thank you so much for listening and supporting us. We... Mm truly love and appreciate you (laughs) and if you're vibing on this and you're new to the station why don't you go find us on rockcandypodcast.com and there's tons of episodes there and there are also links to our social medias you can follow us on instagram facebook and twitter Mm -hmm. mostly instagram maybe a little facebook twitter i just can't anymore it's pretty much just instagram yeah so yeah, follow us on the stuff and feel free to toss us emails, suggestions, or if you have any hints to the questions I have asked tonight, please let yeah. us know.
1: And also we have some merch going on. Yeah, we got merch at
0: Teespring, Turtle, nope. Nope. Tea, Tea Public. Public. Fuck, why can I never remember where we keep our fucking merch? There's a link somewhere. It's, it's,
2: it's on our website. It's on
0: our Instagram, I'm pretty sure. It's definitely on our website. We're terrible yeah. at this. Look- we don't fucking care. We give you guys the information you need.
2: Yeah.
1: If you want to give us money, fine. If you want to buy our shirts, you should do that. Because my friend Chris made some really awesome shirts. He did. Love you So Chris. go do that.
0: Thanks, bud. Thanks, dude. Anyway, uh, also, if you want to support us, you can give to our Patreon. You can do that at patreon.com slash rockcandypodcast. And you can get some boner episodes. Yes. And also some sweet swag. Ashley, did you send the swag yet? No. I did text you once, I think.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, I swear. To- <laughs> swag is coming, and at this point, yeah. we're just gonna send y'all a lot of shit. So. A lot of stuff. So yeah, look out for that. But also, thank you so much to our patrons. It's we're really grateful you help us pay for Incredibly. things like books and yeah. the server that we post our episodes on. So yeah. it really helps us out. But I mean, don't if you don't want to donate, you don't have to either. I
1: don't True. think it's donating.
0: Anyway, it's fine. <laughs> Just listening and being here is great. Yes. So thank you.
1: That's all we really need. That's all we really need. Mm.
0: Yeah. So we'll be back next week with another episode.
1: Indeed.
0: Rock it out on the weekly again now that summer's over. And now we're getting into the nice chill spoopy season.
1: Yeah. October's going to be fucking
0: lit. Yeah, it is. But until then, we've got some September September chill vibes. Yeah. yeah, September sloops. I like that. Sure. September sloops. Yeah. So we'll see you kids next week. And until then, party on, Ashley. Party on, Mikey. And party on, you the kids out there. Don't want to be a pocket ranch. <laughs> Don't use me to fix cabinets. <laughs>